see a bunch of friends. I've been in Foursquare long enough now to where I'm seeing like lots of people that I've known from a long time uh, for, gosh, almost 30 years worth. Uh, so, no, got 20-something. Uh, but nevertheless, a bunch of people I know. Anyway, long story short, I, um, I live uh, in a very quiet neighborhood uh, because I like quiet, in Jesus' name. This conference, however, was in Seattle, which for all intents and purposes is not quiet, right? So it's loud, like all the crazy loud. And it's busy, there's traffic all over the place. And I'm like, now that my kids have moved out of my house, I like quiet and peace and no traffic. So uh, not that I didn't like it before, it's just that everyone had a car and it was crazy and all that business. So all that to say, I go downstairs on the last day of the conference to get the car, right? So I brought the, some of the luggage down and Polly was going to meet me down at the lobby uh, with the car. So I was going to have the car, meet her down there. So I go outside, get the car, and, and we text, or she called me or something. We said, I'm going to drive around the block, and I'll get you the next time around. So I, I go around the block, and you know, in Seattle, uh, everywhere else on the planet, it seems, you could say, I'm going to go around the block, and it'd just be a minute, right? In Seattle, however, going around the block is not just a minute, right? So I go around the block, and I come around this corner where there's a two-lane road, right? The two-lane road, there's a left lane and a right lane. The left lane had cars in it with blinkers to the right because... 50 feet above, uh, there, there, was a, there was one of those yellow or orange flashing arrows that said, get in the right lane, everyone. There's something ahead of construction. So all the guys in the left lane were trying to get into the right lane. I turned the corner to get into the right lane thinking, I'll save the blinker and just get into the right lane. So I get into the right lane, and, and lo and behold, because everyone's trying to get into the right lane, it's starting to get congested. Well, I look just ahead of, of my car, and I see a sign out there on the road, painted on the road in big white letters that said, bus lane only, right? So, but there's construction ahead. Everyone knows that we're all in that line just for a moment until we get beyond the construction, right? So everyone apparently saw the blinking orange, neon, whatever, except the bus driver, right? So I pull in in my wife's cool car with the sunroof and the windows down, and on all four corners in the streets of Seattle, I recognize pastor friends, right? Bus pulls in behind me, doesn't take his hand off, just holds it there. And I'm like, I, I, you can't move, I can't move, you're honking, that's not helping, right? So I, I noticed my sunroof's open, I, I could wave at him, I could share other things. I, I, uh, words crossed my mind. I, I thought about turning the car off and getting out and sharing a few. Uh, I, I, there was nothing I could do. But there were plenty of words that crossed my mind that I wanted to share with this kind brother <laughs> who didn't have near the patience I had, had been forced to get a hold of. I want to talk to you this morning about the power of words. I want to talk to you this morning about words and what, they, what they're about. God said that there is authority in our words. God said that actually the power of life and death reside in our tongue. It's amazing to me that God created us in his image. And in his image, remember when God, the Bible says at the beginning, when he created all that we see, heavens, earth, day, night, all, the, all that we know of, stars in the sky, sand on the seashore, you know that God didn't snap his fingers or wink his eye or twinkle his nose. He didn't do anything. You know what he did? The Bible said that God spoke into existence, and it was. Literally, God said, light be, 
and it was. Earth, be, and it was. Man, be, and it was. He literally spoke the words and they became. It's amazing to me at how we don't real remember that literally we were created in the very image of God and have power in our tongue. We have the authority, the power in our tongue. In this series we're talking about, it's a series in family. And as we're in this fourth week of our series called As One, we're talking about family. I tell you this right now, I believe, it's almost as if in, uh, as I was preparing this series, it's a six-week series, inside there's like a little three-week moment where I felt like I wanted to slow down and talk a little bit about Proverbs chapter 4 in the context of family. Because I really believe this, I believe that, I believe the family is literally the most powerful institution on planet Earth. I think it's the way God made it, I think it's how it really exists, whether you like it or not whether you intended it or not, whether it was on purpose or by default, whether you were born in, a, in an adoptive family or born outside or inside a nuclear family, whatever it was, I can tell you God intended family to have authority and to have power and to make a mark on our lives. God intended that all along, and you don't have to believe it. You can just look in the mirror and see it happened. Hmm. Lord, help us today as we get into your word. It's in the context of family that we were introduced to words. Whatever family you were involved in, whether it was, like I said, uh, in, um, in a home that was healthy or a home that wasn't healthy, in your biological home or not, I can tell you in the context of family, God introduced us to words. Words have authority. Words have power. We were introduced to words like, you're so smart and you're so dumb. You're so, you're so good, and you're so bad. You're amazing, and you'll never be enough. You're so pretty, and how could you look so ugly? It's amazing, as I even speak those words out over you, I can see the thought bubbles above your head saying, Ah, I heard some of those words, and oh, they hurt so bad. And I felt the marks and the weight of all of that. And can you see how that felt? Because literally, God intended it to be that way. Unfortunately, the devil knew its strength and has used it against us in the context of family for so long. Hmm. Finish this uh, sentence for me, if you would. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Could there be a more false statement on the planet? But words will never hurt me. I, I tell you what, I'd, I'd take a bruise any day for <laughs> some of the abuse that you might have taken as somebody compared to the words that were spoken. See, every one of us has a trajectory that our lives have been set out upon, and usually it came through some place in our life that someone applauded us and told us, you're good at that. Somebody somewhere somehow told you, you're good at that, and whatever that thing was, it helped oftentimes set us out on some sort of a trajectory in some way. I remember uh, being a young person and someone coming to me, I remember specifically it was around fourth grade, Someone came to me and said, hey, you have a good voice. You're a good singer. And I remember thinking, I didn't know that. 
because I didn't really know. I just figured everyone sang, so I, did, I didn't know any different then. And I was like, ah, I guess I am. And, and therefore set me on this course of, of literally being up in front of people to the point where I was on vocal scholarship in college and helped pay for my schooling and all that business. And I realized like it, it helped prepare me for what I am today. But at the same time, I was raised in a home with a father who looked at me and said, Lance, you are dumb. You are never going to amount to anything. I remember hearing those words from my father in, 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 in probably not as kind of phrasing as that, but I remember hearing that, feeling like I, I might be able to sing and I can make you smile, but if you got to know me, you'd realize I'm not very smart. And I, and I spent my, my, my whole young childhood trying to convince myself that I actually am smart and that I actually know how to do things and that I can help people. And it was just their crazy thing. And, and the, the, the funny irony is that there's so many of you who know your own versions of that same story. Some of you were told that you'll never amount to this or you'll never be that. Some of you, however, were told that you are something special and you can do anything and you got this. And you've, set, you, you've seen how your life has, has moved forward in the light of that. It's amazing the power of words. It's amazing the authority that words have in our hearts. Can I just be so bold as to say God planned it that way. But the devil knows how to wield it and has messed many of us up. It's interesting to me, Polly and I were watching a show a while back where there was on the, on the TV, there was a, a couple of girls, teenage girls. One of them uh, was, they're, they're both uh, looking at their phones and one of them said to the other, she pulled out her phone and she said, I'm going to go change my clothes. And the other girl said, why? You look fine. Why would you change your clothes? And she said, well, I posted a picture of myself this morning and have not gotten many likes, so I'm going to go and change my outfit. It's amazing to me how, that, how real that becomes. And we would say, oh, gosh, that's so sad. How could a young person be that way? And yet we find ourselves doing the very same thing as adults. Begging for someone around us just to say, you matter, you look good, and like. Because that thumb up says everything. This thumb down says everything. And somehow that makes all the difference. And if we get that, it tells me that I'm okay today. And I'm going to be all right. And some, somehow I've gained approval from you. It's amazing. I'm telling you, the power and the authority of words or even an emoji can can set us off on a course on a day. There are even people, young people that I know of, have heard on TV anyway, that have committed suicide over a, a bunch of thumbs down. Because the power and the authority of words, we allow those things to set us off into some crazy place. Could you imagine if we began to listen to the right words? Or, or better yet, actually speak the right words into someone's life you do realize that you and I both have the authority and the power of life and death, the Bible says, in our own tongues. We have it in our own tongues. We can say to someone, you got this. I'm so proud of you. I love that phrase. I, I'm proud of you. I love that phrase. I didn't hear it much when I was a little person, but I remember thinking to myself, if I ever, if I ever became an adult, I want to tell somebody somewhere I'm proud of them. You know, so I try. When I see people, I try to look at them. It's like, I'm so proud of you. And again, I'm just a dude hanging out on the planet, but I can't imagine what that must communicate to someone. Because when somebody says it to me, when someone says that to me, I, I remember one time 
Pastor Steve Shell. Pastor Steve Shell, he's my, he's my spiritual hero. He, he's, he's, I always tell people, he's who I want to be when I grow up. Pastor Steve Shell, I love him. But I remember one time we had planted the church that I'd planted before this, and I'd been doing it for, I don't know, six, eight years. And he met me at some place, and we talked, and he goes, Lance, I just want you to know I'm really proud of you for what you're doing out there. And so then I said, uh, like every, everybody else is supposed to say at that point, oh, thank you, Pastor Steve, you know, it's really not me anyway, it's God. And he goes, I know that. I'm just proud that you're getting out of his way. <laughs> he was like, I'm just proud you're staying out of his way. And I was like, hey, I guess that's a compliment. But, but I can tell you this, there's something about that, right? I, I'm just, I wonder sometimes if we realize the power we have in our mouths of life and death. Hmm. If your Bibles, open it up to Proverbs chapter 4. I want to spend the remaining time giving just a little reminder of where we went last week and where we're going this week. Proverbs chapter 4 was written by King Solomon. King Solomon was King David's son. We know King David as the man in the Bible who was a man after the very heart of God. We know that Solomon was given wisdom from God because God excuse me, had asked him, what can I give you before you become king? And he said, I just want to be super wise. And, and he said, listen, because you didn't ask for riches, I'll make you not only the wisest person on the planet, but also give you riches. So, so literally, King Solomon had it all. I mean, he, he, had it, he was very, very wise, and he also was loaded, right? So he had all of this wonderful wisdom and also had been raised, the Bible says, by his father, which was King David. Listen to what it says in Proverbs chapter 4. Solomon now writes something to his sons or his children, as the Bible says. He writes, he writes a, a proverb to them in hopes to help them figure out how to journey life successfully. Here's what he says. Proverbs 4.1, my children, listen to me. Listen to your father's instruction, pay attention, and grow wise. For I'm giving you good guidance. Don't turn away from my teaching. For I too was once my father's son, tenderly loved by my mother as an only child. My father, my father told me, take my words to heart and follow my instructions and you will live. Love that. Let's go down to verse 10. He says this. This is the crux, I believe, of this particular chapter. In these next three verses, he begins to lay out for us what is the benefit of us listening to the wisdom he's about to drop on us. And he says this, My child, listen to me and do as I say. If you, then you will have a long, good life. I will teach you wisdom's ways and will lead you in straight paths. If, if you live a life guided by wisdom, then you won't limp and stumble as you run. Carry out my instructions. Don't forsake them. Guard them, for they will lead you to a fulfilled life. From those three verses, I boiled them down to one sentence last week, and I'll say it again. I think those three verses can be boiled down to this phrase, that if we follow the wisdom that's about to be given to us, we will learn how to live a good, long, fulfilled life lived on a straight path. How to live a good, long, fulfilled life lived on a straight path. Is there anything more that we want in life than to learn how to live a good, long, fulfilled life on a straight path? Like I said last weekend, he doesn't say a good, long, pain-free life on a straight path or even a good, long, fulfilled life on a bumpy path. He doesn't say whether that's going to happen or not. To me, that's irrelevant. The point is, whether the bumps or, the, or, or the, the pitfalls happen, we can still live a good, long, fulfilled life on a straight path. That's what God's plan is. And the real key is, he says, you can learn how to live a good, long, fulfilled life on a straight path if... If you listen to what I'm about to tell you here in these next few verses. 
I love this because he literally is giving us an outline on how to have a good, long, fulfilled life, to be lived on a straight path. I feel like if there's one thing we could write down in the Bible that could like, is the truth we could hang on to that we want hanging over the doorpost of our homes would be we're a family that lives a good, long, fulfilled life on a straight path. Wouldn't that be awesome? More often than not, we're like live a, a short life that's filled with fear and it always seems to be crooked. That's what most of us kind of think what life is going to end up. But the Bible says that we can do this if we walk this through. Down in verse 23. Verse 23 says this, above all else, everyone say above all else. Above all else, he says, guard your heart for it affects everything. Guard your heart for it affects everything you do. Pause. Well, can you imagine if we really thought the gravity of what he's saying here? Guarding of your heart will affect everything you do. It'll affect everything, not just some things, not just kind of things, not most things, but it'll literally, guarding your heart will affect everything you do. Uh, your heart. Your heart is the center of who you are. It's the, the essence. I think uh, so, some translations say it a little differently. Some would say it's the wellspring of life, right? Guarding of your heart. Uh, listen to this. It's the seat of our emotions, the guarding of our heart. Our heart I love how this guy put it. That, that literally to guard your heart is to place boundary around your emotions, the guarding of your heart is placing boundaries of your, of, around your emotions. Uh, here's how that plays out in my life. There are people in my life who uh, have brought pain into my life. There are people in my life who, who I don't like hanging out with because they, they have a, a disposition towards me or whatever it is that, that just is hurtful and spiteful. And, and, I, and, and so consequently, um, I decide how much I'll allow them into my heart. I'll decide. I mean, I'm not going to push them away, but I'll decide how much I want to allow them into my life because it's just too difficult when I have somebody, when somebody comes to me and says, you're a pastor, you're supposed to open your heart to everyone all the time. And everyone. Let me tell you this, that's just dumb. Come on, right? And, and I decide because, because I get to put a guard over my heart, right? And not only that, but when those people come into my life, it makes me get jaded and I want to get jaded and I don't like that. So I decide how much I'll allow that to happen in my life. And I think it's important, right? And, and I, where did I learn that? Well, I learned it through 17 months of counseling every week with my counselor. Amen. Right? So you do you. I'm going to do me, right? I, you, listen, we weren't never, most of us were never taught how to have boundaries in our life. The, the, you've got to have some boundaries. You've got to have healthy boundaries, especially when it comes to family. Family sometimes can be some of the most hurtful to you. To, to put boundaries around on how you'll do what you'll do. And, and if you don't have boundaries, what happens is the, 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 the people who hurt you most will just see the door wide open and just let themselves in. And you're stuck because you didn't put any boundaries around. Now listen, what I'm not saying is to set up this, uh, erect some sort of a brick wall and have it be, you know, I'm keeping everyone at a distance and calling it boundaries. No, that's not boundaries. That's prison. All right, so don't erect steel walls or brick walls, but allow yourself to have moments so your emotions can, can, can have its right place. That's what it means to put a guard over your heart, is to allow yourself to say, hey, I'll do it, but on my terms. On Wednesday at 3. Not, not all day, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. You allow yourself to say, listen, I need to make some time and some boundaries for this. The writer of this proverb says, above all else, it means it's very important for you to figure out how to guard your heart. It's very important that you understand how to place a boundary over your emotions. It's interesting, if we don't take our emotions or our thoughts captive, what did I say before? It'll, our emotions and thoughts will take us captive, right? 
Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10.5. Last week I gave you five ways on how to capture your thoughts and how to capture your emotions. If you didn't get those last week, go online and listen to it. I, I'm telling you, I think, I think this is some of the stuff that I'm most passionate about that you will learn from. Today, though, I want to move along in this passage of Proverbs chapter 4. Starts out by saying, above all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. And then verse 24 says this, above all else, or it says, avoid also, avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. He says, guard your heart. And then he goes on to say, avoid perverse talk and corrupt speech. Avoid perverse talk and corrupt speech. You know, I I want to, uh, I went back to the original language of the the Hebrew here, of this Proverbs chapter 4. And I want to read it to you just like it says it. It's a little awkward because it's not as smooth as a, a regular translation might be, but it's literally a translation from word for word where it says to, uh, put your, um, to avoid all perverse talk, stay away from corrupt speech. Here's what it says. It says, so put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. Put away deceitful mouth, put away from you a deceitful mouth and put, and put devious speech far from you. It's interesting. I, I want so desperately to, to, to come up with a way. I, you know, I've, I, I thought about this, and I was like, God, is there, a, is there a way to tell people how to put away corrupt speech from their mouth? Is there a way to get people to, to, to say nice things to one another? Is there something I could give them three points and a poem that they could remember? Is there, a, is there lotion you can slather on to make you talk better? Can, can we invite people forward and have a prayer time over their tongue and, and over their mouth and what they say? Could we do all that? And let me give you this, uh, the, the actual answer in original language. No. There's nothing you can do to have something happen to you on the outside of you that will change your speech that emanates from the inside of you. But let me explain. This is what it says in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. It says, A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Proverbs 6.45. I'd say, parents, teach that to your kids, but I'm really wanting to say, teach this to us parents. Let me read that again. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. The truth is there's nothing external that can happen to us that will change how we show up on the outside of our mouth. You see, most of us want to believe that if we just try harder with our speech, I know, I'll just start saying nice things about people, and if I say enough nice things about people, I'll convince my brain that I'm a nice person, and therefore I'll just be a nice guy. And so if I think nice, think nice, think nice, think nice, think nice, think nice, I'll change and be nice. Let me tell you this, that will not work. The only way to truly change what comes out of your mouth is to truly change what's inside of your heart. Because when you change what's on the inside of your heart, it will show up in your mouth. Here's the crazy litmus test. If you really want to know what's in your heart, 
listen to how you talk. Or better yet, if you really want to know how you are, <laughs> listen to what your kids say. Ah, uh, if you really want to know how you are, ask your spouse. I don't know how to say it any better except to say, you know, you know somebody near you by what's in their heart. You, you, you know who they are. Why? Because it's coming out of their mouth. It's coming out of their mouth. In fact, it's interesting. Uh, out of the, the, the Bible says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? Uh, did you know that it's actually a deeper translation to that? But it even says this, out of the overflow of the heart, your face cries out. You could see grumpy a mile away on someone's face. Just like you can hear it next to them as they talk. Your mouth, your face, whatever it is that this thing is that's communicating to the humanity around you is literally your voice. It's, it's a reflection of your heart. Now my question for you this morning is, is are you good with that? See, because if you're not good with that, then just try harder. <laughs> just try harder to say nice things. Let me tell you this, that will never work. The only way to really change what comes out of the communication of this thing called your face is to change the inside of your heart. James says it this way. I, I, I don't know if I have the time today, but it, it just simply suffice it to say, James chapter 3, verses 2 through 15 or so, two, 3 through 12, it literally talks about the taming of the tongue. And, and again, I don't have time to read it this morning, but just in a, in a nutshell, it literally says this. It says the tongue is, is like a, a little teeny thing, like a, a rudder on a huge ship that can steer an ocean liner in the ocean with a little teeny rudder. Or it's like a, a, your tongue in your mouth is like a little teeny spark that can set the entire forest ablaze. Literally says this little teeny thing can really spew out life and death. And you don't have to believe it if you don't want to, but you've certainly experienced it at some level. James says, listen, that, that literally that whatever is coming on the outside of you it has power to affect change all around us. Hmm. Listen to what it says in James chapter 3. Go down to verse 11. James writes this. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Can you pick olives from a fig tree or figs from a grapevine? No. You can't draw fresh water from a salty pool. Listen, if you want to gain some control over your tongue, if you want to maintain some semblance of control over your words, if you want to live, learn how to live a good, long, fulfilled life on a straight path, it all goes back to your heart. It all goes back to your heart. I wished, like I said, that there were a way that we could all just practice the right ways to say things and respond to people. But you know as well as I do that what flows from your mouth is originated in your heart. Some of us are embarrassed to admit that, but that's the truth. And the bottom line is, in order for us to change what comes out of the outside of us, it needs to start on the inside of us. To that, to some of us have to repent. Some of us have to just fully get right before God. Just like he says, we can't have fresh water come from a salty brook, salty, salty ocean. If we change our hearts, then God will help change our words. Luke chapter 6. It has to start with us. See, at some level, we have to realize that the words that are spoken to us and the words that are spoken from us have an authority and a power the way God intended it 
The real question is, is, is are we speaking out words of faith? Are we speaking out words of I believe? A couple of weeks ago, I told you that I wanted us to start praising God for his provision in our lives. Provision as a church, provision for what we're doing, and to say, God, I'm just going to praise you in advance. And, and sometimes it feels a little bit like, well, that's kind of contrived. Maybe that'll even feel a little bit more, you know, that, that's emotional, and what's the deal? And, and let me tell you this. You can praise God for that which is true. Right? You can praise God and thank him for that which is true and say, God, I, I'm going to stand on your blessings for I know they're true. And you can begin to praise God over your family, over your kids. You can begin to say, God, you may not like where your kids are today. You may not like the decisions they're making. And too many of us, I think we continue to say, oh, God, please, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please. Can I, what would happen if we actually came before the Lord and said, God, I just give you my son or I give you my daughter and just begin to say, Lord, I thank you for them. I, I just believe that you're going to do something special in their lives. Be with them. Encourage them. I don't know what, what would happen, but what, maybe something would change. Uh, maybe something would change in them. Is it because, is, are we the one withholding? I don't know. All I know is, is that God gave us the ability to pray, and God gave us the ability to walk in authority, and God created us in his image. And something tells me there is power and authority in our tongue. I'm embarrassed now as a daddy of kids who, I've, who have sent out on the planet to go do what they're doing as young adults. And I look back, and I, I, there's, sometimes I cry when I think about the things that I fought for as a dad. And I'm sure every dad regrets some things that they said or did. And I remember losing my mind over my kids not eating their peas. On the t- just like, no, eat the, you don't eat your peas, you'll never keep a job. You know, and it's like, <laughs> like, you just lose your mind over the craziest things. And I'm like, I'm so embarrassed. There's times I feel like i got to pull my kids aside and ask for forgiveness for the peas. I mean, just, you know, I'm talking about, it's like the little things that that are really insignificant, but when you're a young mom or dad, you're just like, socks on the ground, you will lose a husband that way. Like you're, that's not what's going to lose the husband, other things will, but but I'm like, we, we, come on. Could you imagine if we began to speak life? Maybe that's why grandparenting is so much better, (laughs) because you have a little different perspective, right? You're like, you know what, leave your peas, who cares, right? (laughs) Here's some sugar, right? I don't know, but (laughs) you... I don't know. All I know is, is that I don't feel nearly as weird about some of that stuff today. What if we changed the way that we carried ourselves and began to walk with the fact that we have life and death in our tongue? This set, this conference this last week, I'm a little embarrassed to say, um, there's a fellow who was one of the guest speakers. And again, thousands of people. I happen to know of this guy who was on the platform. One of my staff people texted me and said, hey, what do you think, of, who's speaking tonight? What do you think of the person that's speaking tonight? In other words, do you like this person? Do you not like that person? And my response via text was like, no, I don't like that guy. He's terrible. That's awful. I'm like, yeah, I've known him for a bunch of years, and nah, nah. I mean, literally, it was not loving, not caring, nothing, right? So, so I, I let it go, no big deal, move along. And then, and then, then hang, or put my phone down, and then, bam, Holy Spirit goes, is that how you feel about this guy? And I'm like, a little bit. You know what I mean? Whatever, right? So just a little bit, right? So, so fast forward, next day, I'm walking down the hall. That dude walking towards me. That guy. And I'm like, awesome. I mean, there are thousands of people. That particular moment in the hallway, there were two people. Him and me. I walked up to him and I was like, hey, Lord just checked me square in the teeth. And he's like, Tell this, this guy doesn't, he didn't know me. I know him. 
isn't who I am. So I didn't, wasn't going to tell him, hey, man, I said bad things about you. So, so uh, forgive me. I just said, uh, hey, thank you for what you said last night. I really appreciated it. Because what he had to say was money. It was beautiful. It was from the heavens. It was, it was straight from the hand of God. And I felt massively convicted. And so he left, and I confessed my sin to Jesus. And I said, God, I, I forgive me, please. I sent a text to my staff person and asked her to forgive me. And I said, man, I, I was wrong. I, I was out of line by, by, by saying bad things about that person. See, I think sometimes we forget that we have the ability to ask for forgiveness and to make things right. But listen, there's life and death in your tongue. And you can, maybe there's places in your life that you spewed out poison that God wants you to go back and fix and make it right. Driving in the right lane, bus horns honking, my blood pressure's rising. I so desperately wanted to give that guy a piece of my mind. I just wanted to say something because I was so mad. If you happen to know, I said nothing. I didn't even wave out my sunroof. I, I just I kept my hands on the wheel. I drove forward. Got to I-5, blood pressure dropped. Then I thought of everything I want to say that I didn't say. And I, I ended up saying, Jesus, thank you. Now, I'm not so successful at all those exchanges. But I can tell you in that moment, the Lord reminded me, Lance, it's because what I put in your heart, you allowed to come out of your mouth, which in this case was nothing. Maybe you're here today and you've said some things that you need to take back or some things that you wish you could make right. Or maybe you're here this morning and you have felt the pain and the hurt of somebody who had said something to you and it's left a mark on you for, for a long time. And you've been living under the tyranny of this lie and somehow it's even marked your career and how you've stepped out in it. I'm here to tell you today, there is power. There's power in the truth. And God wants to tell you that you're not that person and you are that person and God wants to set you free from that lie and move you into this truth. I don't know your stories, but I can tell you that there is power and authority and God wants you to know it today. So I want to pray for you. Can we do that? Lord, this morning, we thank you for your grace. Oh, your amazing grace. God, I pray today you heal us from the wounds of the past both the words that were spoken to us and the words that were spoken from us. Whatever those things are, maybe God's bringing them to your mind's eye right now. Just respond to them. God, forgive me. Lord, I want to make it right. Maybe he's going to give you the next right step. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never really surrendered your life to Jesus. And you want to surrender him today and become a Christian. If that's you, just say, Jesus, I give you me. I want you to give me your spirit for all of my sin. I need you today, God. Lord, you're so good. Bring healing and set your church at freedom. Let us be people who are life sharers. In Jesus' name, amen.